This is the American Variety Network on Block Talk Radio with Alex Cardinal. Live from Springfield, Massachusetts. Are you ready for a talk show that is brave enough to talk about anything and everything, even if it's controversial? Are you ready for a talk show where anything goes and we will say anything that we want? Well, then you're listening to the right talk show. You are tuned in to In Your Face Talk Show. With your host, the crazy Italian-American AC. You can expect to hear the unexpected. Laugh at what is said, or you may scream. Either case, sit back and enjoy the show. Let's get in your face with this great talk show. Projects. 
Well, I mean, it's going to be a busy year. This year, this past year, um, it was kind of an up and down year, you know, where I was doing a lot of, uh, I don't know, I guess a transitional period of, you know, going to a full-time schedule versus, uh, you know, part-time schedule. But this year, I got a lot of stuff planned, and uh, a lot of them are pretty ambitious. There's going to be a lot of work that I'm going to have to put into making sure I complete all these projects that I want to do. Ah, very nice. I know you do a lot of uh, awesome artwork. So what are some of your favorites? Well, I mean, as you know, my focus has always been primarily tropical fish with a heavy emphasis on cichlids. But this year I got a lot of stuff going on with the marine aquarium hobby and also with the reptile hobby. So I'll be, you know, delving into different aspects of my artwork, which I've kind of put on the back burner for a while. Um, hopefully uh, at least three or four different complete shows together where, where I can, you know, travel around the country and and uh, go to conventions, have all my work shown at different booths at, at both fish conventions, reptile conventions, and a possible other few projects that I've, I've been interested in, in taking on. Oh, that's very cool. I know you're, you're a very good artist. It's funny you say that you're uh, getting more marine... Uh, drawings this year. That's funny because I just entered the marine hobby. That's good, man. What? What do you, you already set up a new aquarium? Or? Yeah, I have. Uh, I have three of them. I did two like back in October, and I I just set up my big saltwater tank, 120 gallon, in in December. That's pretty crazy. That's ambitious, right there. <laughs> you gotta, yeah, it's gonna be like a. <laughs> it's gonna be like an aggressive tank with tanks and stuff. Oh, okay. How big is it? It's uh, 120. It's one of those four-foot-long ones. Oh, that's nice. So it's a fat tank. That's good. I like those better than the than the skinny tanks. Yeah, me too. They're they're wide. I have to use a, a, a stepping stool to do water changes and stuff. Yeah, that's one thing that pe- a lot of people don't realize is that that you know when fish have more room to maneuver, then they feel less of a need to protect their territory. And so you'll notice that there's a lot less aggression that occurs in a tank that's at least two feet wide, you know. Yeah, that's very true. I noticed that when I had freshwater fish in there. So hopefully the same can be set for saltwater. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yep. What you, you, have, you said you have three tanks now? Yeah, I've got uh, three tanks. I've got a, a 29-gallon saltwater tank, but I think I'll turn that into a quarantine tank now that i got the 120. And then my brother has a... 20-gallon little Nino reef tank he's got going. And I've got a 75-gallon that's empty right now. I'll probably do a freshwater tank on that one. Yeah, that, that, that reef aspect, has, I mean, over the last decade has really blossomed. And um, although it's going through kind of a leveling out period right now, the past, I'd say, you know, five to five to ten years, it really took off, um, kind of reboosted the aquarium hobby, kind of saved the aquarium hobby, actually, from... from from diminishing, and um, you know, uh, I think a lot of people are interested to see the kind of art that I do with with the marine fish and corals and all the other invertebrates. There's a lot of crazy, cool things, you know, like every crab, lobster, um, even the plants that are found in the marine aquarium hobby are interesting subjects. And uh, you know, Macna, are you familiar with Macna? 
Yeah, I just heard about them the other day, actually. Okay, yeah, MACNA is the Marine Aquarium Conference of North America, and this year, in September, it will be held here in my hometown in San Diego, California. And uh, that's great because it's been a long time since it's been back on the West Coast. But ironically, the West Coast is the strongest part of the hobby. Oh, that's pretty cool. I may have to go to that one. I'd love to meet you down in uh, California. Yes. Uh, you know, the great thing about San Diego in particular is the weather is great year-round. It's rarely ever too hot, and it's almost never too cold. So even though we did have a spate of... We had a little spate of cold weather this past few weeks, uh, you know, with the with the jet stream coming right down on us. But uh, now it's warmed up again. Today was a nice 72-degree day, clear skies, just a little bit of wind. At least you guys don't have snow. We have snow up here all the time. Um, you know, we did have a lot more snow this year than we have had in the past, but it, it's in the, mount- the mountains about 30 minutes away. And um, so, you know, you get to the 5,000-foot level. We never get snow where I live. Uh, here where I live is, is close to sea level. And, uh, you know, I'm just a, a few miles from the beach. And um, But, you know, it's not that far of a drive to get to snow if we want to go there. And if we want to snowboard or ski, it's a two-hour drive to L.A. Um, so it's not really as bad as some people think. Um, coming back through Texas in, in December, you know, we ran into a blizzard. And I've never driven through blizzard weather before, so I'm ever going to attempt it. <laughs> you, yeah, you I don't blame you. I hate it. Yeah, you can't see <laughs> the road. And, and people in, in states that it doesn't normally snow in, like El Paso doesn't rarely ever see snow, especially not like we saw. But, um, you know, this is like driving through the, millenn- you know, the Millennium Falcon, you know, when they go to, to light speed and you see all the little white lines going by you. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much what it looked like, and and you know my son was really excited to uh, to play in the snow and get to see it falling for the first time, and uh, you know it was real nice powdery snow. We had to stop in El Paso because if we kept driving, we probably would have ended up in all the traffic. There was so many accidents. Um, in fact, they were clearing out about a dozen or more uh, accidents involving semis the next day when we actually started driving to New Mexico, and, uh, you know, they're just, these guys are, you know, got to make their deliveries, and they just slide off the road. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> it kind of sounds kind of funny. People don't know how to drive in a snowstorm for the first time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, I know this year at some point, I'm not sure when exactly, is. I don't want to give you an exact date, but... This year, at some point, I'd like to get a painting or two done by you. Now that I have some uh, very colorful saltwater fish. Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm always more than willing to do that for you, and you know, just let me know what you want. Give me plenty of time because sometimes, you know, lately with uh, with a lot of projects, it takes about anywhere from four to six weeks to to get a custom painting done. If it's you know, if it's not too complicated, I could probably get them done you know, quicker if necessary. And, you know, if it's for a project, I can, you know, if, I, if you, you pay a little more, I can get them done quicker. <laughs> so that's the typical way it works. Yeah, it sounds great. I can't wait to get it done. It's going to go right above my 120, actually. I have a spot for two paintings done from you. Excellent. 
Yeah, keep those spots open because I'm definitely ready to do them whenever you're whenever you want. Awesome. Actually, when I when I asked you to come on the show, that's when I actually thought of it first. I figured I'll ask you on the air, so it'll be more fun. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have an idea of what kind of fish you're interested in, or, or invertebrates? Or well, well, I think the fish I have now that I think is one of my favorites. He's actually most expensive right now. Will probably be the first one. Will probably be my gold striped maroon clown. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm, maybe... I'm working on a I'm working on a real fun project with a, a specific type of gold spot gold striped maroon. And um, you know, I'll I'll disclose that information once that comes around. But I'm working with a you know a prominent breeder um, of clownfish, and you know. It's going to be a really interesting and unique project, so you know, stay oh, nice. for that. <laughs> yeah, when I got him, the fish store said that was the first they had in in ten years. It was an ORA one, I guess he said. Yeah, because they they are limiting the the exports of those from the wild, you know, because clownfish are local fish. So that's one thing a lot of people don't realize is that they they don't they don't spread around too much. So. If you wipe them out in one area, then you can really affect the population. That's a good point, actually. I was actually going to get a lightning maroon clown, but this one looked more natural <laughs> and was a little bit cheaper. Yep, a uh, little bit. Yeah, it's quite a bit cheaper. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was actually a lot cheaper, like $100 cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, the um, the other fish that are really heavily affected are you know, local fish like blennies, um, jawfish, um, what do you call it, uh, cardinal fish. There's, there's a lot of issues with the, the Bangai cardinal fish, you know, a lot of them are being um, taken from the wild. And just a terrible a terrible thing happening there where, where even though there were quotas set on what could be collected, there was a lot of fish being smuggled and, and you know, we're just getting away with it. Wild ones aren't even very healthy. You know, they don't they don't last in captivity very long. So it's better to get captive bred anyway, and support the captive breeding of of some of these marine fish. Um, you know, other fish, of course, like like you're talking about getting tangs for your tank. Those are pelagic spawners. So what they do is they scatter their eggs in the midwater, and um, you know they they their eggs free float with the rest of the plankton, and so they can repopulate quickly as long as the fishery is managed properly. You know, you want to make sure that the the fishery is not stripped by over-harvesting of juveniles and over, over-fishing in certain areas. Very cool. Yeah, I, I know that uh, yellow tangs are now being captive bred, and hopefully soon the blue hippo tangs will as well. Yeah. Yeah, there's actually it's it's quite exciting. All of the projects that uh, you know Bruce Carlson and some of the other guys are doing, as far as reproducing marine species that that you know just a decade ago was was never going to be thought to be possible. You know, like in the past decade, we've we've had successes with orange spot filefish, which um, I'm about to finish a, a piece for for Art Parole, and um, also. Uh, the mandarin dragonette, that's another su- superb fish, one of my favorite fish to paint, in fact. Um, just a super colorful fish, very iconic species. Uh, once thought to be really difficult to keep in captivity, but now with the with the uh, 
availability of live copepods and other, you know, um, advances as far as how to keep them and how to keep them fed um, and the captive breeding of, of Mandarin dragon eggs, you know, it's nice to see that they're going to be more available without having to import so many of the skinny fish that just don't adapt well to captivity. Yeah, I was very happy to hear that the Mandarin dragonettes are, are now being uh, captive bred. That's pretty cool. I think the second picture I'll have you do is a, a blonde nasoting. Those are one of my favorites. Now, that'd be great. That, that's what I haven't actually tackled. I think I've, I have painted nasotangs in compilations, but I've never really done a painting where I focused on, on one. And, uh, you know, for those that don't know, a naso, you know, we call them blonde nasotangs. A lot of other people call them the, the lipstick tangs. Um, but uh, naso is the genus for all of the, what they call unicorn tangs. You know, so... There's large tangs like uh, nasoflamingii, and then um, the the uh, lipstick tang is called nasolidiratus. That's the both the both the the dark uh, dorsal fin and the blonde dorsal fin. They're just different forms. And in Hawaii, uh, last time I went to Hawaii, I saw a lot of large uh, nasal tangs with long trailers. It's really nice to see those long trailer ones. And uh, I'd say about 10% of the population has those long trailers. Uh, nice. Those are actually uh, what most of the solid or hobbyists go for with the NASOs. Mm-hmm. What, what do you want painted? you want one with the long trailers? Yeah, yeah, that, that'd be perfect. <laughs> I like that. Might as well, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I really recommend all of our uh, listeners to... Look at uh, Sam Scales' Facebook page. There's some beautiful drawings. So how can a listener of mine get a painting done by you? Well, they just have to contact me. You can contact me on Facebook. That's the easiest way. And um, on Facebook, I have a page called Scales Nature Artist. And for those who don't know already, my name is spelled S-C-A-L-Z. And then uh, Nature Artist. If you go on Facebook, search that, you'll find it. Um... You can message me on there. I, I check my my emails pretty much uh, every day or every other day, and then we'll you know set up a deal. Um, I do require a deposit, and the deposit is non-refundable. That's the, the unfortunate thing. You know, it's it's tough to really do artwork, and I've had a few people like uh, renege on on deals. You know, and that's just not it's just not right. You know, we're independent. Uh, you know, it's an independent position where. Every dollar counts. You know, <laughs> this is how we make our living. That are doing this for a living, they're, they're typically not working another job. So, you know, once the um, agreement is made on what specific uh, piece is going to be done, then we'll work out a, a total. You know, a a cost for based on materials and size and the difficulty of the subject, and then um, at some point, you know. Uh, we set up a schedule for when it's likely to be completed. I, I don't. I never guarantee a completion date. You know, I, I try to, as much as possible, set a good completion date. But because of a, the the difficulty of some projects, you know, I can't guarantee a uh, uh, completion date. So you know, every, each piece is custom. Each piece is one of a kind. Um, you can opt to purchase the complete rights for the for the artwork which means and you pay a little more. 
Um, otherwise, you can pay for the original, only original, and then I can reproduce it and continue to sell prints to other customers that are, might be interested in that image. But you'll you'll still own the original. So you can contact me that way. And if, for those of you who don't use Facebook, I know some people don't use Facebook, even though it is the best way to connect with people. Um, <laughs> you can also email me, and my email is scales at scales dot com. Um, spelled the same way. It's S C A L Z at scalz.com. Perfect. I think our listeners should contact you for uh, a drawing. And the pictures you make for me, the drawings you make for me, you can, you're can. you more than welcome to, to resell them. I think that would be a great idea. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's actually... A, people usually don't mind having their other people own the image as long as they have the original. You know, it's, it's, it's perfectly normal in the hobby and the industry um, to do limited edition or even open edition prints of original work. Um, most of the work I do nowadays is, is pretty much in acrylic and watercolor. But I still do work in pen and ink. I still do scientific illustration. And I still do a little bit of pencil graphite work and color pencil work. That's very cool. I have a lot of respect for you for being able to make this a full-time job and you're able to do some fantastic drawings. Yeah, thank you very much. You know, it's uh, definitely a labor of love, of love, <laughs> love, of love. <laughs> I uh, I kind of gave up a pretty good income, you know, working in the hobby, um, something I did for, for many years. And... I just wanted to focus on my artwork, you know, and, and, and contributing to contributing to the hobby in, in a way that not too many people do. I'm actually surprised. I don't know about you, but uh, I'm surprised at how many hobbyists there are and how few artists there are as far as fish artists. Yeah, that's a great point. I think there's only like two or three that I know of, you and, and another lady that I know. I think there's only two that I know, actually. Yeah, there's, there's, you know, I have a, uh, quite a few friends on Facebook that uh, that have made it, made fish a focus of their work. You know, Neil Miles out in in the UK, um, and then we have uh, there's a young girl that's come up. Her name's uh, Ashley, yeah, Ashley McDonald, and she's she's uh, I think she uh, you know she's still in high school and she's working to to become established as a fish artist. She really does a lot of fish. Um, she's, she's pretty good at a lot of other subjects as well. But um, definitely for, for being a young lady, you know, it's nice to see someone that's so motivated to to excel, and, and I'm, I'm happy to inspire anyone and give anyone help that, that you know, wants to establish a career, or even a part-time gig doing artwork. There's also, you know, Zoea, um, Ashley uh, Warnick, who owns uh, Zoe's Healthy Fish Food. She also does some spectacular work. She doesn't do it as much, you know, but she does some pretty good. Yeah, she's pretty good. I know who she is. She was on my uh, my show when I first started a long time ago now. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about the uh, tropical fish hobby really quick. 
I know that you're really good at the fish hobby. So what would your message be to beginners entering in the fish keeping hobby? The beginners? Hmm. I don't know. You know, it, it really depends. A lot of people don't even, you know, right when they start collecting fish or keeping fish, they, they all of a sudden they consider themselves experts, right? <laughs> so, um, but in reality, if anyone is just starting out with fish, I think one of the most important things that people forget these days is that literature, and I'm not talking about the Internet, Google. I'm talking about real hard literature, meaning books published by authors who spent their lives studying fish and keeping fish and learning the do's and don'ts of aquarium keeping. You know, it's really important to, to get a fairly recently published book and try to get a better grasp of what it takes to do it right. Because so many people fail to do it right. So many people prefer to do trial and error when there's hundreds of thousands of people before them, millions of people that have kept fish and have already determined the better way to do things. So why do we have to risk the lives of our fish just so we can see if we can do it a different way? You know, this is the, it's true, it's a dynamic hobby. The hobby changes constantly, that's what I mean. And people learn new things about fish. You know, fish get new names all the time. That's one of the frustrating things as, as someone in the science field. But, uh, but the care of fish, you know, it's just pretty much a matter of trying to keep fish the best way that you can for their needs. Not for your own personal needs, you know. There's people out there that, that when they first get interested in the hobby, they're all about decorating the tank and making it colorful and beautiful, but they forget that these fish come from a specific habitat in the wild, and it's better for fish keepers to attempt to emulate their natural habitat than it is to try to make it fancy and match their furniture in the house. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree 100% with you on that. And I agree with you that uh, reading books on tropical fish is uh, very important. Do you think the magazine Tropical Fish Hobbyist is a good idea for beginners? Yeah, actually, Tropical Fish Hobbyist is one of the strongest publications out there. It's been That's been uh, out for a while. And it's... Uh, you know, it constantly has been improving. There's a lot of great authors, uh, including, you know, the late Takashi Amano, who passed away last year. He was a, a great aquascaper, just the, the, the best aquascaper ever known. And, um, you know, a lot of my friends, uh, you know, Ted Judy contributes a lot, um, Heiko Blair, uh, quite a few people, you know, quite a few people um, that I've become close to over the years. Um and it's a great magazine specifically for bridging the gap between the beginner and the more advanced aquarist. Now, there, now, if you are already an advanced aquarist and you don't have any access to it or you have not checked it out yet, make sure to check out Amazonas Magazine and Coral Magazine if you're a marine fish keeper. These are cutting-edge magazines for for people that are a little more advanced in what they do. But it's great if you're just a passionate hobbyist and you want to learn about the natural history of different species and fish groups. Um, those two magazines are great. But but definitely Tropical Fish Hobbyist is readily available. It seems to be at, at all the uh, the chain stores, the Pet Smarts and Petcos, and um, just about every bookstore you go to that 
that still sells periodicals. Ah, very nice. Now, as always, wondering, wondering this myself personally, do you have any fish at home? You know, currently I don't have any fish. You know, so, um, I had kept so many fish in the past. And, I, you know, the, one of the biggest headaches of fish keeping was the maintenance. And to really keep fish properly, you have to be able to dedicate a lot of time to the maintenance of the fish. And for me, because of my, my uh, you know, I have a pretty open access to to very large fish collections, both private and even the public aquariums. Um, so there's no need for me to, to keep fish. I don't have any desire at the moment to be breeding a lot of fish. Um, I do plan on setting up another fish room in the future, but right now my my focus and interest is in is in uh, helping others to succeed. You know, I I uh, do maintain a few tanks around town, and I I help a lot of people set up their tanks. You know, I, I take pride in every single tank I I get my hands into. You know, there's um, there's a couple aquariums that I set up locally at a few different uh, aquarium shops, and you know, I I try not to take too much credit for them, even though you know they'll put uh, designed by Sam Garcia. But uh, for me, I mean, just the, the the ability to be able to to see fish in other people's collections is is uh, whet my appetite for having an aquarium. <laughs> so I do keep a few small aquariums. But that's about it. Oh, that's very cool. Now I I think I saw on your Facebook that you were actually uh, at the Tank Studio. So what's it like working with Tank? Oh yeah, yeah, that's a lot of fun. You know, um, those guys are good friends of mine. Um, uh, Brett and Wade are, are great characters. You know, you, you'll hear a lot of, like, uh, positive and negative comments about the show. But the one thing I can say is that the show is such a great boost for the hobby. Um, and I think mainly the people that, that like to shoot it down are the people that believe they're so much better than everyone else, you know? <laughs> and that's not true. You know, everyone loses fish. Everyone takes shortcuts. I have never... I have never spent enough time with a fish keeper that does everything right. And although, you know, I always give the best advice I can to, to beginners, to newcomers, to even seasoned aquarists, I, I got to say, you know what, do as I say, not as I do, because I'll often take shortcuts because I know I can get away with it. Um, now, for someone that doesn't understand certain aspects of fish keeping, I recommend doing it the hard way, <laughs> the long way. The The show itself has had provided such a huge boost to the aquarium hobby, getting a lot more people interested. And it is a responsibility of the people that work in the hobby and the people that are advanced, that are guiding others. What, you know, and, and let me tell you this. If you admin a Facebook page or if you even help out people on a Facebook page, guess what? You, you're working in the hobby. You may not be doing it for money, but you are responsible for teaching others about how to keep fish. So if someone asks about something on tank and they say, hey, uh, is it best to do this or best to do that? I, I'll, you know, I'll tell you straight up. Like a lot of things they do on there are unconventional and possibly even uh, deplorable, you know, and that's something that I would never, ever recommend doing. But the timeline of those, we're watching this, this TV show and the timeline makes it seem like it's 30 minutes or an hour long. But the reality of it is, you know, they take weeks. I've worked on several sets, and and setting up and stocking these tanks have take, taken uh, 
period of weeks and in one case even several months. Um, so it's not necessarily like an overnight thing where they set the tank up, throw the fish in, and that's what you see on TV. That's not always what's happening. Also, the fish, the show itself has to be entertaining to viewers. 90% uh, of viewers don't have fish tanks. So, you know, you can't say, well, I'm going to make this this uh, show that's going to be successful and have so many seasons like Tank has by telling them how to do it the scientific way. You're not going to get people that don't have fish tanks interested if they think it's going to take 12 weeks to stop an aquarium. You know, it's it's just not going to happen. And that's one one reality of the show that, that is kind of a catch-22. Yes, I don't want to encourage people to do it the wrong way, but at the same time, I don't want to make people disinterested in aquarium keeping. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I understand 100%. That's uh, that's very true. And I agree with your point on the, the fact that people who uh, run Facebook groups and stuff, and me, for example, I have a fish keeping podcast, so believe it or not, I didn't know that I was helping the fish keeping community until you told me last year. It's really great that I'm I'm able to, to help the hobby. Yeah, it's important, you know, and you got to stay positive. You know, you got to take your dirty laundry and stuff it in the hamper, you know. <laughs> so yeah, you, that's true. You got you issues. You got to deal with it. You know, there's people on that. That's one thing I, I can tell you for, for a fact, like on Facebook, you'll find a lot of people who are more interested about, you know, uh, putting themselves up on a pedestal and telling the world how great they are and how smart they are, putting other people down. That doesn't help the hobby at all. You know, it's a community. The hobby is about people sharing their love for, for fish and for aquariums and for all the other organisms that you put behind those glass walls. You know, and it's not about, uh, you know, how many likes you get on a picture or how many people you have following you. You know, <laughs> there's a, a lot more to it than that, a lot. Mm. That's true. I agree with you on that. Now, I thought I'd ask you this yeah. because you're you live in uh, California, and I, I know yeah. that. I don't know if you follow the NFL at all, but what are your thoughts on the St. Louis Rams moving to Los Angeles? <laughs> well, I think that's where they belong in the first place. They they probably should never have went to St. Louis. And, you know, there's a lot of loyal fans that are still loyal. And, and you know, there's about 10,000 people that, that bought uh, season tickets, and including, I think, Magic Johnson was the first one to buy season tickets, you know. And, you know, they'll be playing in the Coliseum for a little while before that stadium is built. I don't mind having the Rams right there in L.A., but the problem is that right now the controversy is whether or not the Chargers, my San Diego Chargers, are going to be joining them there, you know. And Dean Spanos, the uh, the chairman of the Chargers, you know, the, basically the, the owner, he is so convinced that he needs to be in Los Angeles where it doesn't make any sense. You know, 20 years ago, there were two teams in Los Angeles, the Los Angeles Raiders and the Los Angeles Rams. They both left. In other words, that market did not work out. So now they're bringing back a team. Why don't they just bring back one team? Why do they have to try to jump in and put two teams in, San, in Los Angeles when San Diego has a 3 million person market in the city itself and another 2.5 million from Tijuana that would come and see the Chargers. You know, I mean, there's, there's there's a lot of people to market to here. There's people in Imperial 
in Fayetteville County. There's people in El Centro. Um, we're talking about a you know a 10 million person reach, and they want to take a team from San Diego and put it in LA and have two teams in LA that are sharing a seven million dollar a seven million person market. That is also the market for the Los Angeles Lakers, the Los Angeles Clippers, and the Los Angeles Kings. So now you have like five of these major teams. I mean, how are people going to spend all their money? Do they think everyone in LA makes five million dollars a year? I don't think so. That's a very good point. I I agree 100 percent with you on that. But thank God the Raiders aren't going to come to Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, the the other possibility is if the Chargers cave in and decide to lease uh, a part of that San Cronky Stadium for, with the Rams, then guess who may come to San Diego? <laughs> There's a lot of talk about this. The Raiders, who don't really have a home in the Oakland anymore, um, may be coming to San Diego. And, you know, it's kind of a bittersweet thing because I'll be honest, I will be 100% honest, as much as I hate the Raiders now, if they became the San Diego Raiders, because I am such a homer, I would be a fan of the San Diego Raiders. Oh, that would be pretty cool. I'd love to see that. And don't you think it's kind of weird, too, to, if you put the Rams and the Chargers in the same stadium? They are the two teams that look the most alike as far as their, their emblems, their colors, and they're both blue and gold. They both have, like, a little arc. One is a bolt, one is a lamb horn. That's true. That's a good point. What happens when they face each other? Who's the home team? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, one would be an NFC, one would be AFC, so they would rarely ever face each other. But, yeah, that's a but, good you know, I guess, I guess that's the one thing going for him is that the whole stadium could be blue and gold, and, it, you know, <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> so who do you think is going to go to the Super Bowl this year? Well, to be honest, <laughs> I had a real tough time in the AFC um, trying to figure out Actually, both are really good matchups. You know, um, Denver has a great defense. Uh, New England has a great offense, as we know. And I think Denver has a chance. I just don't think that uh, Peyton Manning has it left in him to to win a Super Bowl if he gets there. Now, as far as Carolina, they they really deserve it. You know, and it'd be nice to see a team that hasn't been there, you know, hasn't been there lately, to get there and and win. And um, same thing with Arizona. You know, they haven't really – they've been there a while ago, but they haven't been in a, in a few years. And uh, either of those AF, of those NFC teams, I would not mind either of them winning. And, um, you know, as much as my – I have so many friends that love Denver, but I just don't think Denver has it in them to win. And if they do, then, hey, they prove me wrong. That's true. I'm going for the Patriots and the Panthers. That would be a great Super Bowl. <laughs> that would be. I mean, that's that's kind of what a lot of people are hoping for. But but Carson Palmer was my fantasy quarterback all year, and so I oh, kind yeah. of have a little bit riding on him, man. He was great. <laughs> Arizona is a very well-rounded team. They don't really have superstars. That's true. Well, I hope if you bet this year for Super Bowl that you win, that'd be great. <laughs> 
Yeah, but you know, I mean, the whole all the charger controversy has kind of put me in this position where I'm kind of indifferent until I figure out what's happening if I'm going to have a team next year or not. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> well, I want to thank you for being on the show today. You did a great job. I had a lot of fun tonight. Oh, of course. I'm always always down, you know, every now and then to get to get on the show, and I'm more than happy to share. Uh, my love for the hobby and, and my passion for artwork um, with all the listeners all across the world. And, you know, I congratulate you on having a good show. Thank you. I appreciate that. I think you're one of my favorite guests of all time. One of, huh? Hmm. Yeah, you're, you're, up, you're up there. You're right <laughs> at the top. You're right at the top of the ladder. I love interviewing you. I'm happy to be a guest on any show. You know, I love I love being on shows. Um and um, you know, I, I, I'm I'm not partial to any one show, but you know, I, I, you are a good friend of mine, and, and I do appreciate you having me on the show. Thank you. I love having you as a friend as well. I love chatting with you on uh, on Facebook. It's always a great pleasure because you're very knowledgeable. I also don't like drama, so you know. <laughs> yeah, I know that. <laughs> That's a good point. Well, anyways, I'd like to thank all of our uh, listeners for tuning into the show. In the show description, I've left a link to uh, Sam's art page, so you can um, check that out and check out all his beautiful uh, pictures that Sam scales on Facebook. There's a link there. You guys can click on that and uh, hit like. And there's also a link to our fan page, American Variety Network. You can click that and hit like as well. That would be great. Thank you guys for tuning into the show. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. And Alex and Sam say thank you so much for tuning in. Good night, everyone. Coming to the American Variety Network on Saturday, starting Saturday, January 30th, 2016, is Saturday Live with Alex Cardinelli. This will be a weekly show airing every Saturday. It will be similar to my favorite television show, including Saturday Night Live, The Daily Show with Jon Stewart, and my other favorite show. I will have a guest on each Saturday. I'll discuss each Saturday in history, and I'll have funny prank calls and more. So join me for the first Saturday Live with Alice Cardinelli here on American Variety Network on January 30th, 2016 at 7 p.m. It's that time of year again, football lovers. It's time for the Super Bowl. This year is the historic 50th Super Bowl. For the first time ever, the American Variety Network will broadcast the Super Bowl halftime show. Join Alex Cardinelli and his friend Flashmaster 1989 Jeff Sunday, February 7th, 2016 at 8 p.m. Eastern, or in other words, halftime on Super Bowl 50, for a recap of the first half and some fun. Let's get ready for some football.
enjoy your pizza and wings, and tune in to our Super Bowl 50 halftime show, live on American Variety Network on February 7, 2016 at blogtalkradio.com forward slash American Network. Something big is coming to the American Variety Network on Saturday, February 13th, 2016. What could it be? I'll tell you, one thing is for sure. Whatever it is, it will be historic and could break the listen record for the American Variety Network. Stay tuned to the American Variety Network because... On January 30th, 2016, I, Alice Cardinelli, will personally make the announcement live on air and all over social media. Are you ready? Hey, thank you. Well, get ready. The announcement is coming your way January 30th. Donovan here, friend of Alex Cardinale. I personally want to thank you for supporting Alex Cardinale by listening to his episode of American Variety Network. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please check out his Facebook page, American Variety Network, and hit like. And check out our awesome fish group called Freshwater Maniacs. For all the fish keepers listening, check out my YouTube channel, Here for the Fins, for some awesome info on my fish. Thanks for listening, and Alex Cardinale will see you again for the next episode of American Variety Network. Rock on, folks!